In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're just going to go ask the pawn shop owner who did it, clearing the name of this week's guest. And that guest is Corsica Wilson. So, Corsica, is Sherlock Jr. a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Oh, should be, I guess, is, uh, <laughs> is, is the answer. Definitely has not been attempted. I don't think anyone's, any people have attempted stories of Buster, but never of his actual uh, creations, but they deserve to be yeah. seen again. I don't again. think any Buster Keaton movie has ever been remade, has yeah. it? As far as I know. No. But that's because, I mean, they were so perfectly engineered and and he was the only one willing to actually risk his life doing the stunts that he yeah. did. So it kind of comes then if you're going to actually remake it, you know, like, should you follow the rules that he did of the practical stunts and tricks and illusions that he did, you know, and stay true yeah, to that. Cause I mean, cause I don't even think these are like movies in the traditional sense of movies as like a story told on screen. Cause I think this is more an exhibition of incredible stunts. Like I would describe this more as like a sideshow or a circus than like a traditional narrative story. Definitely. It not only stunts, but I think film technique at the time, um, a lot of the sequences were just very impressive for film during that era. Absolutely. We'll get into that in a second, but before we get too far, Corsica, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself so they know who they're listening to? Um, I am uh, an actress and producer in Los Angeles, and I'm very obsessed with silent film, in particular Buster Keaton. I mean, (laughs) I've lived in LA for 10 years, grew up in a military family, so I've traveled around a lot. Um, And I've always loved cartoons, and I think silent film was an easy transition off of being a kid in love with animation and and physical humor and expression. I think that's, that's wonderful. This is also my now, I've now been in LA for 10 years. So yay. Yay. Decade. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't think of it in terms of fractions, which I did. And it was bad because next year I will have been in LA for 11 years, which means it will be, have been a third of my life. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. This is the longest I've lived anywhere, which feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plus military. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, so now it's like seeing change and people for longer than a few years. I don't, that's (laughs) new to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember when this block was this thing, but now it is this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me a little bit about why you chose Sherlock Jr. over some of Buster Keaton's other movies. Because I think when you first said Sherlock Jr., my first thought was Steamboat Bill Jr. Is that the right name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, this movie isn't really narrative focused. It is more, does seem more exhibitionist kind of, um, but it's still one of my favorites just because I feel like, at least for discussion and introduction to Buster Keaton, that's usually where I send people just because it has so many unique traits of just what makes Buster him. And I think it's the most fun just in terms of his character and, and the um, some of the sequences that he does. So I think 
I think it, to me personally, it's just my favorite storyline that, that he's done. Um, my second favorite would have been battling Butler, I think, um, which is Buster's favorite also, but I just, in terms of a remake, this just seemed more fun with the, the flop of his dream sequence and everyone kind of becoming villains and just the duality of that seemed more fun to play with in this circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And it always is just the movie I go back to when I just want to watch a, when I want to watch Buster, I always go to Sherlock Jr. I don't know why. So I hadn't really ever heard of this. The only Buster Keaton movie I'd seen prior to this was Steamboat Bill Jr. Wow. Yeah. He likes, he loves juniors. Uh, which <laughs> the only reason I saw that was because well, he is uh, a junior. Diane, Diane showed it to me. Oh yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. His, his He's Buster Keaton Jr. Yeah. His dad, Joe Keaton is the girl's dad in Sherlock Jr. Oh, he is in the film. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. But the, so like I kind of went into this blind. I really had no idea what to expect. And I messaged you after I watched the movie because it's not very long. It's, yeah, it's 45 40. minutes mm-hmm. and it's, delightful like there were some sequences where i genuinely laughed out loud and there's some sequences that i just don't know how he did it. yeah when the behind the and, scenes just adds so much like all the the trivia behind it just is also mm-hmm. kind of why i love it so much it just tells the story of buster it almost feels like his manifesto in a way of just everything he was able to put in about himself not only his father but his father worked with houdini And a lot of the, a lot of the tricks when he's in the, um, like when he's in the woman garb, he jumps through the window and dressed in the woman garb. And the one when he like goes through the wall, like goes through the, the, like they have the thing open. They're all like actual practical Houdini tricks that he learned from Houdini himself. Houdini named him Buster because he fell down the stairs and there's just so many things in it. That's just Didn't really, that. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So it just adds so much to each little moment. That That's the trick that I don't really know how he did it. Like when he yeah. dives through the guy's chest, yeah. through the wall, I, know. I had no clue. I know. And I was like, I kind of get it, but I don't, <laughs> it doesn't, I have no idea. Yeah. And I love that, you know, at the time, like for silent film, you know, it has to be practical in some way. Like if yeah. you don't, you don't, can't just throw it to the assumption of special effects or anything. You know, you, you have to be wowed by the fact that they actually <laughs> figured out a, a way to trick you. Although I would say that this movie also has special effects because there's that first, the beginning of the dream sequence where he walks up and in into the movie screen mm. and it's just cutting back and forth between all these sequences. He's sitting on something and then he's falling off a hill. Yeah. And it's so perfectly choreographed. And so, and yeah, so advanced for the time, that that whole sequence. But it's practical in the sense of filmmaking. I would say that's advanced filmmaking. for now. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, I feel like, yeah, that would be difficult for filmmakers now because it's like now you can use a green screen and all these like digital effects you can just plant it in. Mm-hmm. But they had to block out the screen and film what they needed and do just precise measurements, you know, and actually do it in a practical effects film kind of way, you know, which I think is actually yeah, it requires more talent, you know, more amazing. impressive. Yeah. The, the other thing I will say to, for anyone listening now, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I would say pause the episode mm-hmm. and like it, the, the whole movie is available for free on YouTube. That's how I watched it. You can go watch it right now. Do yourself a favor. It's amazing. And that way you'll have a much better sense of what we're talking about. I always tell Especially people also to play it with modern music because 
that's actually, it, it makes it more relatable if you play with to music that you like or that you think it would be good with, you know, I kind of feel like you attribute, you attribute emotions anyway, you know, and, um, I, I play around with different types of music that I like with it rather than trying to adjust to the, the music of the time. It kind of makes it hard to stay focused, I think sometimes. So also when I'm introducing people to him in silent film, I, I tend to be like, well, you know, like make yourself comfortable and like, listen to music that pulls you in emotionally already. Um, I think is since we're recommending people go watch this movie now, do you have a music selection that you recommend? Oh gosh. Um, or whatever you listened to the last time you watched it. Yeah. Oh, what's the, um, I remember when I first discovered Buster Keaton, it was a weird montage of him on YouTube and it was to the pixies down to the well. And that actually Ooh, like okay. fit him really perfectly. Just kind of like depressing British rock. <laughs> Or like, I don't know, but there is actually like so much that goes, that fits. It's, it's surprising. Um, I actually, I, I played like, uh, gorillas to him the other day and that actually works really, really well. <laughs> Good. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like full spectrum, like just try something, you know, cause also the emotions in the film change, you know? So it's like, um, and then even, super old school like 50s not doo-wop but um what are they I've, uh the ink spots i don't know that's okay. that's what that's i'm getting too nerdy here but <laughs> no, i love it that's amazing um, yeah it's fun to play around with with it um but definitely it it helps to connect with it emotionally um so you can kind of you know then notice the nuance of his reactions and physical humor more you know because you can feel a little more engaged i think music's good for that i think that's a really a really good idea it's, it's honestly another thing i've never considered for especially for these old silent movies yeah um that's cool i mean so for this movie uh d- so <laughs> You talked a little bit about how this is the Buster Keaton movie that you come back to the most. Mm-hmm. What was it? Really, what was really this YouTube? I assume, uh, like montage, your introduction to Buster Keaton. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier. That's where I remember. I don't know how I came upon that montage, but I remember just being obsessed with it because it was. I, I still, it's still on YouTube. It's like so old and it's super tiny now. So like, it's hard to even really see a lot of it, but I think just paired to that song, um, it was just cut really well. And I was just really, I just really connected with Buster and his deadpan, you know, his stone face with, with all of his stunts and everything. And I think from there, it, it sparked my curiosity to watch his films and then, you know, learn about him and, and just how he, was a true engineer, you know, even in the general, the train collapsing on the bridge, just all of the stunts and like huge, you know, sequences that he engineered and Steamboat Bill Jr., the house, you know, the classic, you know, that's you still see in things today. Like if he was an inch off, he would have died, you know? And so it's like just his, his bravery and for the sake of this art is just, it's always been inspiring, but I've already, uh, sorry, were you already a fan of silent movies prior to finding this? I keep forgetting the word. A uh, conglomeration mm. uh, thing. Vid- were you already a fan of silent? 
Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, were you already a fan of silent movies in general before finding this montage, or was kind of this montage just random thing? Yeah, it, I on it. I don't remember. I know it was in college. I don't remember how I stumbled across it, but I, I didn't really. That was my um, gateway to silent film because I got to know. I got comfortable with watching silent film through Buster, and so then I was able to watch you know more dramatic um, pieces and and just the the span of the whole era and kind of be able to understand the language of it and appreciate it more. Um, but like I'm, like I said before that I just watched so much, so many cartoons, uh, so much animation. I loved Betty Boop and um, Tom and Jerry, which is, you know, very obviously very physical, no dialogue. And so I've always appreciated that sort of language. And so I think it was an easy transition to an appreciation of silent film and silent comedy, especially. So then as a filmmaker yourself, I, I think I phrased that poorly as a filmmaker yourself, um, <laughs> what have you taken from silent movies and kind of incorporated into your own filmmaking? Um, yeah. If anything? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I feel like it definitely has taught me a lot as far as, you know, film being a visual medium. Cause I think, when I initially started even writing a bit and thinking of filmmaking, it was so plot heavy and dialogue heavy and just learning, you know, how powerful just the visual is and the, the, the physical communication, the, the body language and reactions. And I also, for some reason, I'm just very obsessed with wide shots, (laughs) which is just like, um, something I just want to keep playing with in my, in filmmaking and silent film, just the composition of some of their shots and wide shots are really stunning. And um, they just use those in for humor and the layering of them, I think is really interesting. So a lot of like composition and framing, which actually silent film took from previous war photography and like older, Mm -hmm. older photography. So that's actually been, more inspiring for just like filmmaking in the sense of, of the, the composition and the visual. So yeah, I, I try to think more in terms of how to communicate something without dialogue first, you know, and, and make sure dialogue is kind of supplemental and not, you know, just there was a, what's the word as excessive or indulgent or, you know, just the, the yeah. silent film is just such basic universal language and to try and keep that in mind i think is as foundation for for the medium of film is good if any of that made sense i'm still figuring it out obviously yeah obviously because it also made me think about like kind of the way i write and Mm. i i am a writer who relies very very much on words like Mm -hmm. i'm a very um dialogue heavy writer mm-hmm. like i won't spend as much time in description because i want to get back to like the the back and forth of witty language yeah which is very much its own you know thing but every once in a while if i ever want to like step out of that style it's just like taking some time to like really live in and dwell in like the descriptions of landscapes and what's happening and i don't know it's something that i should probably learn to take more time for just if i want to be a more well-rounded writer and i like the idea yeah, yeah. Both, I think, have their importance, you know, in in modern filmmaking yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Um, so then with that in mind, 
if we're sitting down to remake Sherlock Jr., are we making it a silent movie again? I don't think so. I think a remake, I don't, I don't know. That's, that was like the tough question of choosing Buster to begin with. Because while I while I would love to see it remade, the question of remaking a silent movie is tough because, you know, just of a modern audience and modern filmmaking, silent film is kind of its own art that hasn't really stuck around. And so I think, I don't know, I kind of like the idea of remaking it for suiting modern film, you know? more of a modern audience. So I kind of, I think you could still keep the, the tone and the spirit of it and kind of adapt mm-hmm. it more, but I, of course, keeping it. Yeah. Very physical, keeping the, the physical humor yeah. and, and the, the, the silent film aspects. But I think, I don't know that it should necessarily be fully silent. Yeah. One of the things that I did was because a movie like this is so reliant on the physicality mm-hmm. is, with the exception of just my writer, every single person that I pulled in for like my casting and everything is a stunt person. Mm. Not even someone who's like an actor who does stunts. I, this is a stunt person. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I think, especially for something like this, you want to be in for the moment. You don't want to cut away to someone else punching and then cut back to your star. Like you want to be fully in and you want to be able to commit to the sequences. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming we'll, kind of do a mix and match of both yeah but no I, I don't know too many stunt people so i'm gonna want to go with all of this was the problem. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, this took me a while just like did, the only reason i found as many people as i did is because i watched the youtube series uh uh vfx artists react and then they did an offshoot called stunt people react oh, cool. and so i pulled in people through that oh yeah and then i pulled people from american ninja warrior but the <laughs> thing is, amazing but before we get to that let's talk about how we want the movie to go. Like, what do we want to take from the original? And what do we think? Like, right now it's it's a 44-minute long movie. Let, let's say we make it an hour and a half long. We have so much more time. What else needs to happen? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it could be just extended in the sense of the scheming, maybe of, you know, it's a simple setup that Buster goes through but maybe it could be something a little more complex you know maybe something that takes a little more time to uncover at least you know in in his dream or Mm -hmm. or not i don't think necessarily i don't even think necessarily we need to split it into a dream sequence and a um and reality. Like, I think that we can kind of like meld those into one character. Cause he was already someone who was dreaming of being a detective. Mm-hmm. I'm like, aside from like the kind of the crazy antics of the bad guy and the Butler, like with the exploding pool ball and the, and the trick axe, which they can also still do in like some crazy Rube Goldberg machine style thing, which I'd love to have. Yeah. I think one of the things that this movie would really benefit from was a crazy Rube Goldberg machine that really happens. <laughs> yeah. I I think he can just take the time and investigate because he was going to start investigating and then immediately gave up, went back to the theater and fell asleep. And then the character who I believe the name is the girl. I know. <laughs> yeah. Buster wasn't. <laughs> oh, 
I'm just going to go ask the pawn shop who they gave this receipt to. Yeah, I like that the gr- she's she- just the, she just figures it out for him. Yeah. But that's what I mean. I don't know. Like, it kind of is funny because Buster, he just, dream- like, he doesn't really try. Like, he has this ideal of himself that he dreams that he can't achieve, but it's also because he kind of, you know, fails. Um, like, he doesn't really, he doesn't really, like, try to <laughs> try to do the, the job. Or I guess he follows him at one point right after he comes out of the house yeah. he follows the sheik until until he gets to the train yard yeah. this movie has a lot of trains in it buster loves trains <laughs> yeah and it, like there's a sequence where he's like leaning on the train and then another car comes yeah. up and, connects, and i'm like you're between two train cars my, my god <laughs> yeah uh, i was so nervous for him yeah but i mean i do like the idea of you know him aspiring like starting out as this amateur wanting to be you know this like brave kind of smart Mm -hmm. detective and you know having to do so to clear his own name in real life i kind of like the idea of it you know not necessarily being entirely in his head like a mr bean meets the pink panther (laughs) yeah i also thought of um the spy who dumped me which i thought was like pretty funny too um, I love that movie. Yeah. That movie was oh yeah. I definitely see it. I mean, of course, it's just like action comedy, you know, along those lines yeah. for sure. Um, or even and I think bored at the end to death. Of the day, that's what we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like because we want action comedy. Like because these sequences, you like you do something really impressive, and there needs to be some sort of payoff at the end, so the audience like knows that the thing was successful. Mm-hmm. It's like. Um, when we watched uh, the thief and the cobbler a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it's these big, crazy long animation sequences, but there's no payoff at the end. And it's, it's hard to know, like, is that what we were supposed to see versus what we weren't supposed to see? Right. So I, I love the, I, I love using comedy because if, if you do this whole big crazy sequence and it ends on a joke, mm-hmm. then it's even more impressive. And even um, when he's in the train yard and like running, along the top of the trains and the train gets slower and lower and lower until finally he's holding on the rope and he pulls the water yeah. uh, pipe he down. He broke his neck in water. doing that. He broke he his broke neck, his neck and he didn't find out for like decades later. He like went, the doctor was like, your neck was broken. And he was like, huh, I think maybe that maybe happened Maybe it's then. from the hundreds of gallons of water pouring down over my head I know. as I dropped to the ground. It looks so easy and like great. Yeah. But then it's like, just, I was legit wondering how he did it, but the fact that he broke his neck actually makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. he had hundreds of gallons of water pour on him. He dropped off a rope onto train tracks, yeah. and then had to run away from these like two <laughs> random dudes who like were like, "Hey, yeah, oh, that makes total sense." Yeah, and that was was that that was him in real life. That wasn't even his that wasn't even fake Sherlock. That wasn't dream buster. That was like real buster. No. Yeah. That, that's where his, uh, so it is kind of like uh, get smart. Like he's, chasing down. yeah, he's just like yeah. the accidental hero in a way. I just really do love the contrast of buster when, you know, how he is. And then, um, kind of like how Charlie Chaplin has like his one, like drunk, rich guy character, like Buster's Buster's like super cocky, wealthy, like, you know, smug is like one of my favorites. Like I love when he comes in there and he's just so smart and he's just knows it's like one step ahead of all of them. Whereas the normal Buster kind of just does it all like accidentally, like goofily, you know? And so I do love the contrast of the two. 
which I don't think you could really hold on to if you made it all in reality. I think it would have to just be Buster being Buster and figuring it out, which I'm not like, you know, that type of character I'm not unhappy with. Unless he like maybe I think you could maybe give it a try. Like, yeah. like if he like he's normal Buster at the start of the movie and then this thing happens, uh the pocket watch or whatever gets stolen, and then he gets kicked out, you can't be here anymore. And then there's some news article, Sherlock Jr. is coming to town, and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, Sherlock Jr., Sherlock Jr. But then the but and then Something. Buster somehow runs into him and you do like kind of the the switch. Almost like uh, battling Butler. Because in Battling Butler, he gets mistaken for this famous boxer and he has to actually yeah. end up in the boxing match. Yeah, if he like somehow has to be yeah. Sherlock Jr., he has to pose and so he has mm-hmm. to act all like Yeah, that would be that would that's the ticket, I think. Yeah. So he, he like he gets a briefcase full of disguises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it can even be a uh, a friend like the friend of his from the from the movie theater who I think was his boss of the movie theater then becomes his assistant mm, when mm-hmm. he's in the movie. Yeah. Who's like kind of going around like here try this one, here try this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's such a good character when he's like yeah. hiding in the the car or whatever, and he pops up, yeah. <laughs> just always there. It's over the head. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a great sidekick, and it, yeah. like it's only now in this moment that I realized, oh, the actor who played that I think was also his boss at the movie. Theater. Yeah, I'm just kind of now realizing that. Yeah, actually, me too. Oh, I'm sad I didn't recast him. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, I have so many options for for that guy. It's such like a great like opportunity for you know like i think i had well, bill murray as like my top pick or the, like just well if, if i don't have the role you're basically gonna get to name whoever you want to be for but like but let's say we do that let's say we do the uh the surprising oh no we switch briefcases i like and that he gets to go in and do this what uh what's going to be the larger story do we want it to just be a simple pocket watch that was stolen what would be more important in a, for a modern day audience that was stolen what is our maltese falcon yeah, man. I think it would have to be like more personal, like something that like has more to do with his identity. You know, like maybe if he works, maybe if it's something that's like vital to his respect or position at work or something like maybe, I don't know, you know, if he was like had had to deliver, it gives it more stakes too. like if he had, I don't know, because I'm also thinking like of the time period versus modern day. Um, well, but you know, if it was like pr- something he was responsible for, that then you know would have yeah. further stakes. One of the premises of the movie is that he's uh, he is in love with the girl, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to call him the local chic because that's terrible. <laughs> uh, the bad guy it was, is well, also it was like it was making fun of characters at the time in movies too. I think I forget what exactly, but um, the movie the film has a lot of commentary on other silent films at the time, which I don't know. I forget like super details about, but the Sheik was definitely one of them. That was like a a character at the time. And yeah, there's so much like funny commentary that he was making in a lot of those, a lot of those things. But, but with that in mind, like let's say it's these two dudes are interested in the same lady, but one of them like is more capable than the other. And, but especially if the Buster Keaton character is, poor and they end up thinking well you were just uh doing this so that you could like get closer to the family and rob like mm. they think he's a gold digger, yeah right, essentially, right as opposed to something yeah like person. a class difference in yeah. love and if if so I, I feel like it's something that like 
we got to steal something that has a value to the family, but also has like monetary value. Mm. Like an heirloom of, of sorts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, now I'm thinking about another movie that we watched in movie club, which is the one with the, uh, the chandelier, not chandelier, candelabra. Did I watch that one? I don't know. <laughs> which movie was yeah, that? It was the one directed by Maya Angelou. Oh, I don't think I watched that one. Oh, fair enough. It was good. Um, <laughs> But it was like a family heirloom oh, and it, yeah. there was a big uh, story. Like, cause literally um, in the story, it's uh, the family, it, it's a black family mm-hmm. and they sold the, the forebear of the family and used the money to purchase this candelabra mm-hmm. so that when the civil war happened and uh, the slaves were freed, like the son or grandson of the, the man who was sold went and stole this thing because it is literally a personification representation of his grandfather. Oh, wow. And so that's why the candelabra was named David or something because that had been the man's name. Mm. And uh, and he was sold up the river. And so it's like this thing that is uh, of such paramount value to the family because it is literally the forebear of their family. That is the reason it, it is even there. Yeah, definitely. Something like that would hold more weight. So not to steal from another movie that we talked about, but something like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that would definitely tie into, you know, I guess the, the idea of trying to gain the love of a lady or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. And if you're hurting their family, then that's just higher stakes rather than just a pocket watch. And also how much more important it is to, to rescue that item. Yeah. Right. Right. So something like that. Or if it's, uh, and then, I could just keep going on with ideas, but I was going to say if it's something that's even like they were planning to sell or something for her, like if it's like something for that was like she was relying on for her future or like for, mm-hmm. you know, something for the girl specifically, you it's know, like they've, they've gotten something for her that was going to pay for her college. Yeah, like let's right, say right. someone stole her entire collection of Beanie Beans. <laughs> yeah. But real <laughs> and actually valuable. Right, right. Like we, we, we've spent our life building up this thing and now all of a sudden it was going to pay off. But then at the last second, I kinda it like turns it's out Beanie, the Beanie Babies. Babies. Yeah. She just had the most rare, the most rare, like the, what is it? The queen, the queen Beanie, Elizabeth the, Beanie Baby or something, or the Diana, it's the Princess, the princess Di. Diana Beanie Baby or the, the royal blue peanut, the elephant. <laughs> Unexcusable. Yeah. Unforgivable. Uh, how dare you steal this thing like honestly it would be really funny if uh, the thing that was stolen wasn't a piece of jewelry or silver or whatever if it was just this incredibly like a superman number one or something An incredibly rare like collect weird collectible that yeah. <laughs> the father's like oh, that'd be so weird. <laughs> yeah. but it's also super fragile so you, like well let, let's mm. say it is a beanie baby or it's a comic book or something that's super duper fragile so not only do you have the 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 fact that you have to rescue it, you also get to put it in situations where, like, let's say it's a Fabergé egg or something yeah. like that, where it is so easy for it to fall and break. Oh gosh, yeah, it just reminds me of that Seinfeld so, episode. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you just have to spend the whole movie not only doing these incredible stunts, but also catching the thing at the last second as it falls from a building and like you run down the steps or whatever and, and catch the thing. Yeah, definitely. I think that that adds a lot. So something personal to the family, something valuable for the girl's future. Fragile. But something breakable. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it, especially All with right. like the explosive eight ball and stuff. I feel like you could get into like yeah. mix and match and 
manipulation, deception. Oh, little three card Monty with whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's oh, that's funny. I'm a big fan. All right, cool. Uh, so that's what gets taken, and then series of incredible stunt things for. <laughs> An hour. I think it should definitely, like, it. I think in normal, in the reality of the story, the dad's man was, I feel like they hinted like it was just, like, his lover. I don't think that's real. But they were like, because he has no work to do, so he just hangs around. That's just kind of like how I like to, like to see it. But then in his dream, he was, like, the bad guy. I think in reality, yeah. he should just be the bad guy. Like, I think in reality, he is scheming you know i think it should obviously since this has to be a full length it needs to be a larger scheme than just this small setup you know yeah i think it can also be multiple levels of the the other potential love interest and the butler both are interested in the same thing they both independently try to steal it and get it away Mm. but then the buster keaton character rescues it both times and then they team up and do this whole other thing or like um to both have you ever seen How to Steal a Million with Audrey Hepburn? I have not. Oh, Tell me. You should. That was like that was up on okay. my list of possible ones to bring to this podcast. But in that one, <laughs> he her Audrey Hepburn's father is a forger. He he forges paintings and sculptures mm-hmm. and he sells one to a museum because he gets carried away in his own like ego. And then they want to test it. And so Audrey Hepburn freaks out for her father and tries to steal it so that her father is protected, you know, and doesn't get caught. And so maybe it could be something similar to that where the the girl is actually like in on it in an innocent way, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, whatever the our projectionist Sherlock Jr. character does, I think needs to ultimately fail. Yeah, definitely. And I do think it's to be the ultimate hero. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that that is I mean, like what Sherlock Jr. is, and a definite that is the yeah. most important part that should remain. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely essence of this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, Buster's uh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do love the joke that the movie ended on of like mm. they're watching this movie, and it's he's he's watching the movie to kind of figure out, oh well, how do I? Yeah. How do I be romantic? That was making How do fun I have of censorship at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was like in the twenties when like censorship was huge, and like you couldn't be like you couldn't show. You know, it was just like hugely everything was hugely censored, and so Buster was making fun of that. But it is, yeah, it's funny. It's like looking to the films, and then it's like <laughs> cut in between like kissing and then having babies. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and it just his expression is perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, I like that like she comes in and is like, well, my father and I were wrong, and now I'm shy about it and don't want to look at you. <laughs> and I'm like, lady, you are the hero in this situation. He should be thanking you. <laughs> I know. She should be demanding. Uh, yeah. But thanks. Yeah. She did it all. <laughs> I do love the scene when he's courting her, though, and they're both like shy and the like touching hands. Oh, yeah. I think that's like my favorite scene of the whole, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, besides like stunts, sure, that is just that's the best reaction. scene. But there yeah. are also really good sequences. Yeah, and when she's like looking at the ring with the, and he like rolls his eye, it's so good. All of his like expressions in that scene are so <laughs> nuanced and beautiful. It is like peak silent movie. 
yeah. what was going on. Yeah. The, I mean, I also like that he was like really struggling trying to pull dollars together just to get this box of, I presume, chocolates. And then he's like, all right, I got you this $1, $4 box of chocolates. Oh, and also I have this ring. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the ring wasn't enough. He had to save up for the chocolates too. Yeah. Like, like he had the ring, the chocolates yeah. you, had, you, had to, you had to go digging through the trash for, for people who randomly lose well, dollars. See, you had to give the chocolates first to be allowed to give the ring. You know, the Fair. chocolates are Fair. like the, you know, the, the first step. Can we talk about a branding of chocolates? Cause like the $1 <laughs> box of chocolates he gets is like the size of, I don't know, like, uh, like a, like a checkbook. Mm-hmm. And then the $3 box of chocolates <laughs> is the size of a world book encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. with a picture of some other woman on the front. I know. Because that's a brand name for chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was weird. Yeah. The, the woman on the front of chocolates didn't really make sense. <laughs> these are for women yeah oh picture of woman i give to woman <laughs> yes is good understood woman like i give ring Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah but you know yeah i oh, that's goofy i like it um, <laughs> yeah it's kind of like cheap I, chocolate versus nice chocolate in that sense of like yeah but then it would be like the same size. That'd be funny if it was like, you know, you pay like you have three dollars and you either get like a lot of crap chocolate or like mm-hmm. a little of good chocolate. And then like <laughs> well, that's, that's what happened now, right? That's the joke where you, you could pay you could pay three dollars and get a huge box of just like Hershey's chocolate. Right. Or if you pay fifty dollars, you get a single uh truffle chocolate. Yeah. And can I have the big one? I know. There's, there's definitely there's quantity. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to chocolate. chocolate. I mean, look, I love a really good dark chocolate, but by all means, go for as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. You've already committed to this. Let's make it happen. We're just somewhere in between, like a nice Toblerone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Separate thought. Favorite chocolate bar? Ooh, I'm weird. I'm like, I like, I don't really like chocolate by itself. I like it with other things. So like, I like um, York peppermint patties and I like Butterfinger and I like Toblerone. (laughs) Good choices. Yeah. I'd say York, York peppermint patties are quite tasty. Frozen especially. Yeah. I mean, anything that's chocolate deserves to be in the freezer first. These These are the rules. Yeah mine like this doesn't come up that often but every time i have like the favorite chocolate bar conversation with someone it's uh <laughs> mine's a, a canadian candy bar it's called it's aero bars a-e-r-o and there's a version of them that's oh, mint yeah. so it's a mint aero bar aren't those with the Best like little bar. the little like crispy rice things in it what no those are uh coffee crisps oh okay coffee crisps are my dad's favorite chocolate bar mm. i remember when i lived uh, in london i loved flake do you ever, Ooh, do they have that in Canada? I, know, I, I know don't that. know. I don't yeah. know. That was good. But I'd be willing to try it. But yeah. yeah, no, it's it's like a three musketeer in that it's like aerated chocolate in the middle, but oh. it's like a three musketeer where it's, but like something like that. And it's just like, it just melts in your mouth. Perfect. Mm, um, I want chocolate now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> the rest um, of the podcast is just chocolate talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're also post uh, Halloween at this point. I should yeah. also mention... We're recording this on November 7th. 
Biden just won the presidency. I know. Yeah, woo, we deserve to celebrate. Yeah, and eat chocolate. <laughs> yeah, by all means. Today's a day. Everything goes today. First woman VP. First, so it's wonderful. It's all just wonderful. Yeah. And rain today. Just yeah, it's a good day. Pretty much all aspects of today are wonderful. Oh yeah, over um, there. And talking about Buster, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh no, chocolate. Um, yeah, but I got the chocolate <laughs> from something else. Oh, so it's neither of us are stunt people. We really, I don't, I can't necessarily conceive of. Oh, it'd be really cool if they did a flip off a building. Like mm. I don't, I, I don't really have the the training or the mindset to be able to come up with like really cool and interesting stunts. I feel like that's their job once we hire the people. Definitely. Um, but one well, of the things that I really please. I was going to say, I mean, that the only thing I would pull, I would want like all of Buster's stunts from Sherlock in the remake. Like they have to be like, yeah. there can or be more, but you got to, yeah, right. You got to yeah. keep, you got to keep an homage to each of them for sure. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Except for the part where someone needs to break their neck. Yeah. Well, that was a result that was not, you know, yeah. definitely don't want people getting hurt. But what I was going to say is I found it really fun seeing how one of the tricks was done is that it's one of these really, really old school styles of filmmaking that is seeing a resurgence right now. Mm. So there's the moment when he's on the front of the motorcycle and the dude falls off and he's kind of just like Which, riding away. fun fact, is Buster. The actor didn't want to fall off the back of the bike, so Buster pretended to be him and fell off the bike. So that's Buster falling. That's amazing. Yep. Oh, I have so much trivia. <laughs> I love it. Throw in as much as possible whenever you want. <laughs> But what I was going to say is there's a moment where he's on the front and he's like, he's going down a a lane and he just misses a, like a train is coming right at the screen and he just misses it. And then he Mm -hmm. just misses a truck. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the way that's done. Yeah. Where it's, they projected it against the screen and then filmed him in front of that screen. Oh really? Is that not how it was done? No, I'm pretty sure. I thought I read that it was, they filmed it backwards. The train's going backwards. So like the, if you watch the sequence, it's played in reverse. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That'd be cool too. I thought that it was a projection screen just because I know that that was very popular uh, right Uh, now. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that's something that they're doing now in The Mandalorian because that's kind of how they're doing their big, uh, incredible landscapes. Mm. And I first became aware of it earlier this year when I went went to Sundance and saw a movie – (laughs) <laughs> but I saw uh, Nine Days, and it's oh, yeah, a plot point that. in the movie. I highly recommend it. If anyone yeah. has a way of seeing it, you got to watch it. I know I've searched it, I and it. I can't find a way to watch it, but I want to. Someday I will own yeah. it, and I will make everyone watch it. <laughs> um, that is a movie that involves all the emotions. You will cry, and it'll be mm, wonderful. Great. But like, it's an aspect of that movie where like they bring the screens around, and they create the scene around it, and I... I agree with you that they need to do all the kind of like the tricks and the homages to the original Buster Keaton, but I'd also love them to kind of do an homage to old school filmography Yeah, and filming something backwards, putting in like a screen and doing like other tricks like that. I'm playing with miniatures. That was such a big thing at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd love to see just someone who really has a love for kind of like those practical aspects of filmography and Mm -hmm. just trying them again yeah, and figuring out a way to make them work for a modern audience. Yeah. That's what I kind of like. Like I like the, not necessarily the silent aspect of 
silent film, but every other aspect of filmmaking that they were doing, I would want in the remake, you know? It's the, it's the the necessity as the mother would mention, like they didn't have another option. So they had to figure out how to do a thing. And that's always so cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Especially like they played, yeah, with blocking, you know, like, and it's Mm -hmm. film too. So they would be filming on the same reel and they would like have, you know, and Griffith, I think, um, invented the like fade out kind of thing and the fade in, but they would get that at the end of each shot in the beginning of each shot. So it wasn't only just the shot that you had to worry about getting. It was like those camera moves at the beginning and end and you build and build and build on the reel that you're making, you know, and it's just like the pressure of that. Whereas digital, it's yeah. so easy to take a million takes or, you know, adjust it for mistakes, but then you just couldn't make any mistakes, you know, or you just had to start the all over. Idea, the idea of multiple exposure to film yeah. gives me so much anxiety because if you're off by a frame, the whole thing's ruined. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to mm-hmm. me. So maybe yeah. not that, but still. <laughs> no, that too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Good luck, friends. Fall the same way. I mean, that's. I think that's how he did the screen changing was the with multiple exposure. Don't you think? Prob- probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't oh, know no, how I that assumed, one worked. I assume that it was... Because yes, they were filming this thing. And I assumed that what they did was they had these multiple locations and they had it plotted out exactly what they were going to do. And they filmed each section in a different environment and then mm-hmm. they cut it all together and then they projected it onto the movie screen. That's how I assumed they did it, but it could have been anything. Yeah, maybe. I don't I don't remember projection being used that much, but I guess I guess it was. Well, I meant because they were watching it in a the movie theater. And so, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So regardless, so like projecting it on a movie screen just so they could film it in a movie theater, right? But like the actual filmography of what, like what we're seeing—that's kind of how I assume they did. It. Like they actually filmed it in each of those locations, yeah, and then yeah, chopped it together. Yeah, but to have I him, assume. but to have him stay in the same place, like that's just like the math of the composition mm-hmm. of the shot, so that it's like the, the his background changes, but like he stays static, you know, yeah. like to match that. Yeah. And they were just like, they, they, my assumption is that they just had to measure it perfectly and exactly every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I appreciate math, but not that much. I know. Insane. Buster was a engineer math whiz. Also fun, fun trivia. He learned, he did all of those shots in the pool game. Like he, those are all real. He was crazy. Yeah. Anything like that. He just obsessed over until he was, until he was good at you know, and including that, he just kept practicing until he literally did all those shots for real. Yeah. Short of like gluing down the 13 ball. Yeah. Which is all I, math, you know? Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's all angles and math, but like, yeah. I completely forgotten that they did that. And I watched this the other day and it's, and I was just like, oh my God, it it was, he was so good at it. It was just like such amazing pool playing. It was like, it I was know. trick pool 50 years before trick pool was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. It was stunning. incredible. Yeah. So let's talk about who we would kind of put, because I kind of think we have our idea of the movie. We kind of have our core plot. Mm-hmm. Stunts happen. We pay tribute <laughs> to certain things. Mm-hmm. Adventure kind of like ensues. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> but let, let's talk about if we want to, to fill these roles. Gosh, so hard. Well, then there's yeah. a question of like, if you want to make, keep Buster, buster male you know or if you want to like switch it up to have like 
you know, just swap gender roles, you know, tricky, but I was, I was hoping you might consider doing a a gender swap for uh, Sherlock Jr. I considered it. I ended up not doing one, but I'm fully on board to hear your I didn't either. I didn't either just because it was already hard to even think of like anyone. (laughs) Um, I just stuck to, yeah, brainstorming kind of more literal kind of replacements for you know just the way that it's cast because i I cast stunt people one of uh sherlock's big one of buster keaton's big things is he he appears very small and diminutive which is kind of due to like height and stature and whatever Mm -hmm. but when you look up stunt people now all of them male female whatever every single one of them is jacked oh yeah buster was too he was tiny, that, but yeah, he was hiding under a suit. Yeah, that as I was talking about this with Diana, I was like, I can't figure out who to cast for for Buster, and, mm. and she was like, Well, and so my suggestion ended up being someone that she recommended, and I agree because it's someone who is smaller but also works as a stunt person and has. This is someone that I know from American Ninja Warrior, but he's done like Star Trek Beyond and a bunch of stunt like things all over the place. This uh, gentleman's name is David Flip Rodriguez. Okay. Flip. So he's a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when he's on American Ninja Warrior, it's like, it's yeah. Flip Rodriguez. Cool. But his actual first name is David. So he's Flip Rodriguez. But... I like that he has a nickname already, like Buster. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the idea. Like, like everyone on the show calls him Flip. Yeah. And so I thought, like, especially because he's a little bit shorter, but he's apparently like a really nice guy. Mm. Perhaps not necessarily as fatalistic as Buster Keaton was, but still just like a good dude and is able to do crazy batshit stunt stuff. And I thought he'd be a fun choice. Yeah, that definitely it's, it's tough to think I was, you know, of going like when I was brainstorming, I was trying to feel more of like the essence of reaction and physical comedy, which is tough. It's just not around anymore. I feel like. Um, And I was thinking less about the stunts, obviously, I would love for whoever was playing the lead role to do their own stunts, you know, but maybe that's something that they could just learn and train for, you know, um, just do but, the full Keanu Reeves, John Wick, uh, treatment. Yeah. Or Alicia Vikander, months. Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. that. Yeah. Just do something like that, which would be kind of funny. And so I was just thinking more in terms of comedy and face and expression and like physical, like who, who was like, just gave off that vibe that could play that duality of him, which isn't as important now that we're saying like, we're staying in the reality of Buster, you know, the whole time. But I was like, the closest that I had in my head, I'm, and I'm still like, not 100%, but um, would be someone like Tony Hale. Yeah. <laughs> just because <laughs> of like, I don't know, just the quirkiness and goofiness of his demeanor you know, of just like the anti-hero and like, um, or not anti-hero, but like accidental kind of strength. Yeah. Tone and demeanor, you're spot on. Yeah. I think Tony Hale's a, a good choice for that. Like in Veep, like some of just like his reactions, you know, are just, it's so, yeah. it's so perfect. And if you add, you know, and then it's just the contrast. If you see him like then do all these crazy stunts on top uh-huh. of that, that would, it would just make it funny, you know? Yeah, I don't um, disagree. That's that's a fun choice. If we're if we're aiming specifically for the comedy of it, right. I think 
Tony Hale's a good choice. How is Flip like acting wise? Like you said, he's been in things. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure of him, but like, as far as like expression and humor, you know, cause that's hard. Like, I mean, stunt work is hard, hard. but so is, so is, you know, comedy. That, that is where my casting is lacking. Cause the vast majority of these people are stunt people. So they're not yeah. comedians and they're right. very, very different skill set. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why Buster I, is one of a kind and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so in kind of silent movie style mugging a camera, I think that that's something that can be taught or faked mm-hmm. to, to an extent. Like obviously there's people who are better at it than others. Like even just watching this movie, you can say, eh, this person, there's a reason that their parts a lot smaller than others. Mm. But, and Buster Keaton obviously was a genius at it. So I don't know. Cause I feel like both the comedy and the stunts are important. Yeah. And so either we surround the person with a bunch of people who do stunts, or we surround the person with a bunch of people who do comedy. Mm-hmm. So let's come back to Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Slash the projectionist. Mm-hmm. And let's see who else we will kind of want to populate the world with. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, we can move on to the girl yeah. and come back to. Yeah, let's do it. So why don't you tell me who you had for? The girl was the actually girl. even harder and in the best way because, you know, um, the girl was, is, you know, I mean, for silent era, whatever is kind of a strong role because she kind of just is fine and figures it all out. Like, obviously, maybe a little less yeah. shy in the remake. Her, but Her demeanor would potentially completely change. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, just strong female, luckily, like, that's you know, a lot of actresses today are Mm -hmm. playing a lot of like wonderful, strong roles. So, and then I was kind of like in looking, I was kind of going back and forth in age too. And I, cause I was like considering a lot younger act, like a lot younger actors. Like I also had, um, Asa Butterfield as like a buster option, but that's like very young. Um, or however you say his name, you know what I mean? And that seemed, that's like a totally different vibe. Yeah. And so, I don't know the the girl's tough. I kind of wanted to go with someone like um, like Jenny Slate, who's kind of just like very someone who's grounded but funny and and just kind of is like go with the flow, but also can like you know step up and I don't know because that's what I kind of loved in in Sherlock Junior. Like the girl was just kind of like it's pretty easy. Like I just did it. Like just kind of yeah. very chill about it. Like not like making a a huge like I'm you know like. I'm going to solve all the problems. Look at me, you know, and I'm going to save the day. Yeah. 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 So I kind of, someone, someone like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. I love Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate's again, yeah. an excellent choice for comedy uh, and, and doing like kind of the character fun right. stuff. Cause right. she's absolutely wonderful, but she should do some stunts in a remake. I think the girl should get in on the stunt action too. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Ab- absolutely. I, yeah. A hundred percent that um which is why my girl is my the girl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, also maybe she gets a name but that's that's too fancy for us <laughs> yeah, right. a stunt performer named lauren mary kim okay she uh has done stunts for furious seven the orville mandalorian uh she was in the netflix Ooh, yeah. marvel She's also done acting things. She also happens to be gorgeous, but like she mm-hmm. also runs like kind of stunt training for other people. Yeah. And oh my God. She's so yes. cool. Look at her moves. Dang. 
And so that's why I kind of thought she'd be fun, especially because yeah. if you treat her a little, like you think she's going to be a little bit more diminutive and then it's like, oh no, she's the one over here kicking butt and saving the day. Yeah. And I thought that. I thought Honestly, like I kind of, I kind of like the idea of like having like a comedic actor who has to learn stunts. And so is maybe, I mean, I know Buster should be impressive with his stunts, but it also kind of like makes me laugh to think of like, an like an actor having to like learn stunts and then having this just badass stunt woman <laughs> like are you know they're like showing them up but like a team <laughs> you know what i mean so, for what we end up doing is we should have either flip rodriguez and jenny slate or tony <laughs> hale and Lori mary kim right no I, yeah i'm kind of like yeah one tony of those, hale one of those magic. yeah yeah good i like it uh <laughs> huh I don't know which one we should go with. That's funny. That is funny. Um, the the only reason I might suggest potentially going with Flip and Jenny Slate is isn't Tony Hale like forty five? Oh yeah, Lauren Mary Kim is forty. Is she? It's, no it's way. She's, she's thirty nine. That's. I did not know that. So All right, well, then that's works. perfect. Yeah, yeah, that actually does work really <laughs> well. I'm kind of into it, actually. Yeah, I don't think I would have pegged to that and then i think flip rodriguez and jenny slate are also around the same age but now, <laughs> I, now I don't know what to believe <laughs> yeah but i mean it oh, is kind weird. of like how they look too you know yeah like if they look um, younger next to each other well who did you have for her father who did you have for the girl's father um ted danson <laughs> yeah that yeah, that everyone loves Ted Danson. He's that great. Was, yeah, it was tough because the dad is like just kind of like, well, I guess like it's like he's very like a little impressionable, just kind of like you know what I mean. He's not gonna like be like, well, you have you know you have better character, but the proof is here, so I'm gonna believe it. You know, it's kind of like playing dumb a little, and I think Ted Danson would be be funny in that role. I have to kick you out forever, but I'm sad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if we go with Jenny Slate, then we have to go with Ted Danson. Cause I think that's perfect. Yeah. For Lauren, Mary Kim, mm-hmm. uh, I had her father being Donnie Yen from it man from uh, rogue one, a star Wars story. As soon as you look him up, you'll recognize him. Oh yeah. He definitely yeah, Chinese cinema and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. very, a, a different kind of stunt and action performer. Yeah. But again, I don't know which of our two pairings we should go with. Who do right. you have for the hired man slash butler? Um, the the father's man. I had um Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> uh, it was that I was think- tough. I was going because it's like funny, evil, and like the guy. I was kind of comparing looks, like similarity yeah. to the guy in the actual film. Um, that was a I- tough one for me. That is a tough one. I think kind of in broad strokes, I like who you went with. I don't think we can go with Jeffrey Tambor. This is the first one where I'm just going to kind of say no, because he oh. me too a little bit. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just because he's not, not that he necessarily did things, but he was like a, an ab- like abusive on that kind of guy. That seems familiar now that you're saying that. Yeah. But luckily the hired man slash butler, the father's man that I went with yeah. is this was my gender swap. Mm. Um, I went with a, a stunt person who is a stunt person for comedies. What? Like a comedy stunt person named Joette Nicole Orman. She is Rebel Wilson's stunt person. She was also in Kidnap. She helped do 22 Jump Street. Oh, cool. So that's why I went for this particular role. 
yeah. a gender swap. Rebel uh, Wilson would be funny too in general. She would. But for this one, I am going to say, let's go with Joette Nicole. Yeah, I'm down. Then we're not calling him the local chic. Who did you have for your like bad guy alternative uh, bow? I had Will Arnett. Man, I have a lot of Arrested <laughs> Development. Yeah, you really do. I had Sebastian Stan too. I was kind of like, go, like I knew he had to be evil, but then it was like, I, I don't know if he can really do comedy. And the Sheik actually was the guy who plays it in the silent film is did a really good job of like being slimy, but being like pretty funny, you know? Yeah. So I think I thought like, he did a great job. Yeah, he was good. It's like walking in step with Buster Keaton. I thought he did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. This is another situation where I'm going to say I'd rather go with the stunt person. Yeah. Which means that I think I'd probably end up going with Tony Hale for the Buster Keaton. Yeah. So the my uh, suggestion for this bad guy person is a stunt performer named, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I, I want to say Guy De Silva Green. Guy spelled G-U-I. Mm. And then D-A-S-I-L-V-A. He was the the stunt double for Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther. He's in Deadpool. Um, oh, yeah. He, al- he also had a really cool short film called, like, The Backpack, inspired by, like, My Hero Academia, where they were doing the sequence where he would throw a backpack and they'd cut it. So, like, wherever the backpack ended up, he appeared wearing the backpack and then he'd punch the bad guy. Oh, cool. And it's just this really cool YouTube sequence. And I thought he'd be a really fun villain. Also, because he's also one of those people who's been doing like stunts for a really long time is like good at choreography and coming up with cool ideas. Definitely. He also so, is very attractive and like has that look like, you know what I mean? Of oh, just yeah. like being competition for like yeah. Tony Hill or something, you know? Well, part of the reason why I'd considered, I, I'd originally considered him for the Sherlock character, but he's just, oh. he's just so ripped that I can't do it. Yeah, I guess it is kind of in his face. Like, you know, you, you couldn't really hide that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even in the, the sequence, like, the backpack thing, like, he's dressed with, like, glasses and a, a mm. sweater vest and everything. And, and it's like, like, you're like, no. There's so many muscles. There's so many muscles on this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why I thought he'd be a fun villain, and also because he just seems like a really fun dude. Yeah. So my suggestion is we do Tony Hale, mm-hmm. Lauren Mary Kim. Mm-hmm. Donnie. Oh, I again, and then we do Joette. Oh shit, yeah. But you had the uh, the assistant person. Oh yeah, I had a few ideas. Please tell me because I don't have someone for this, so it's just you. Well, it's so all you over get the to place because I I didn't know if he should be older, but it definitely seemed like someone who was just quirky. But it has to like match the quirk of Tony Hale or whoever is Buster Keaton, you know. And they were also all Buster Keaton options, like Jason Schwartzman like also could be a good buster too. But um, Bill Murray is the one that I said, which I think is like kind of fun. Um, or um, even like someone like Patrick Stewart, like just like I was going older oh, because you were in, going way older. I know, I know because he is kind of older in the movie. And so I kind of just like went like older, older, but um, I also had Jason Bateman too. I thought would be kind of funny. <laughs> Who, who do you want? Like, this is all you. So it's, it's purely, I, I have no stakes in this. So it is purely whoever you think is best for this role. I like Bill Murray. With. I like Bill Murray. Bill Murray it is. Yeah. Because I just um, kind of seem like he's like the person that would just show up randomly to be like, got what you need. Oh, yeah. You know? 
<laughs> he's the random person standing on the side of the road who throws the banana peel and or hands the the hook so he can catch the thing as he runs around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't oh, have man, to say I anything. He's just like there that. for you. Yeah, that's yeah. what he is in real life. I feel like. Absolutely. I think that's a fun idea. I'm all about that. Um, did you have, before we get to writer director, did you have any other actor performer roles? I think that was everybody. Okay. Sometimes I'm missing people. Sometimes like, well, there's like all the small characters of like, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. necessarily have anyone no, in mind. no, 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 that was, that was everyone well, I had. Like, I really want to cast this person who's in two scenes. I'm like, great. By all means. Cast this <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so you never know, but I always got to ask. Uh, so then let's talk about writer-director. Do you have a writer-director or do you have a separate writer and director? Um, that's tough. I have, um, I think they're all writer-directors because I think I was looking up a few and they both have done some of each. That's good. Yeah, I think I, I went more writer-director. Okay. Then I'll tell you about my writer. Tell me about your writer-director and then okay. I'll, I'll tell you about my director. Okay. Um, what I did was because I knew like all the different people here would be kind of like more stunt heavy. Uh, my writer is a little bit more comedy leaning, but also uh, interesting sequences, kind of cool ideas um, and would be able to like kind of take the story and craft it in an interesting way that would then give the director and all the stunt people something to play with. Mm. So my writer hasn't done all that much, but most recently he was the writer who wrote Palm Springs. Oh yeah. Which is very, very funny, but also has these really interesting and compelling sequences that surprise you in ways that you wouldn't expect. That's a good one. So I thought that uh, this writer named Andy Ciara would be fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's who I had for a uh, writer. Cool. So tell me who you have as a writer director. And I feel like any of them too, like if like I agree with that writer, but then, you know, like one of these we'll is better with my director. writer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I went just like, I kind of briefly kind of tracked some of the like action comedies that I remember recently of just like ones that I liked. And um, I remembered uh, Knives Out. And so like Ryan Johnson obviously kind of came to mind because he also did Brothers Bloom, um, which has that like quirk um, kind of to it a little bit like dark, dark, dark comedy. and then I also had Susanna Fogel, who did Spy Who Dumped Me, and she's she's writer, um, director, you know, and book smart too. Um, so just kind oh, of great. like, and that was also if I was like leaning towards having Buster like gender swap. She wrote book smart, but she did not direct. Book right, smart. right, right. Yeah, she just wrote that, and that's what I mean. Like she directed Spy, but and wrote it, but only wrote book smart. Yeah, with yes. with other people, but those are good ideas. Um, once yeah, again, you've got this comedy thing on lock because you <laughs> comedy, I'm a stunt. Yeah, it's um, a good balance. My, yeah, my director is a former stunt guy himself, but he also uh, is the director of John Wick, of Deadpool. Mm. And I wrote Atomic Blonder, but I meant Atomic Blonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, his name is uh, David Leach. Oh, yeah. And like, kind of like the stunt guy like the, he's known for being the stunt guy that is now a director yeah so i was kind of like the on the nose pick but i'm open to just about anybody so like i'm willing to trust your judgment whoever you think should direct this thing i believe you i also had um just jonathan ames too who wrote bored to death wrote and directed bored to death because like that really is very similar like 
that is very close to a remake um, in a sense of Sherlock Jr. Because John Jason Schwartz, it's Jason Schwartzman and Ted Danson, and Jason Schwartzman mm-hmm. is like he's just a self-proclaimed private eye, and he is you know a, a, kind of like this like accidental kind of you know clumsy detective, and the tone of it is really funny. So I had him too as a writer. That's also an excellent choice. Yeah. That's someone I would never have told. That's a great idea. Do you want to go with him? I think I, yeah, I think he would, I mean, I think that he would capture like the tone of it, you know, or maybe, maybe if he's writer and then like Leech as director, I'm just, or I'm oh, just, that's a good idea too. to kind of have a combo of like that tone or, or vice versa, have like someone stunt right. No. I think I think you're right. I think the board to death guy would be probably a better writer because it's like the wondering then, of like where the comedy versus the stunts versus like right in writing the, directing. You know, I think the comedy needs to live in the words in the script, and yeah. then you give the action. It, that's for the director to play with. Yeah, I don't think and the, the director stunt people. should be on set being like, here's the way to make a great joke. The jokes are there ahead of time. Yeah, you have yeah, the jokes. Yeah, now make it look. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, if Jonathan Ames was writer and then yeah and then leach was director and we have all these wonderful stunt people um yeah i think that's i think that's a great idea well done jonathan ames is a great pick mm. that's very yeah, clever i do love that show a lot I, I need to go back i feel like i've seen a little bit of it but not that much i need to go back and do more it's <laughs> just the casting i know the casting is just good zach galifianakis and jenny slate's in it too and um it's- yeah, and Ted Danson and so many wonderful actors in it. It's very like white man comedy, like very privileged, you know, but it's just feels to me. <laughs> it's just like, you know, he's just like this poor writer drinking white wine and can't write his second book and you know. But it's just yeah. it's funny in its own way. <laughs> well that that that's our cast. Uh, why yeah. don't I take you through our Shulock, sh- Shulock, Sherlock <laughs> Junior Junior, or <laughs> Sherlock the Third? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our our projectionist slash Sherlock Junior is going to be Tony Hale. Uh, the girl named to be determined later is Lauren Mary Kim, with her father being Donnie Yen. Our hired man, like the father's man, is going to be uh, Joette Nicole Orman, uh, with our bad guy slash competing bow being Guy De Silva Green. Mm-hmm. All of this will be, oh, and the assistant to Sherlock Jr. slash uh, boss <laughs> of the projections, movie, movie theater owner he is going to be name. Bill Murray. I forget, yeah, what his name is. It's like Ace or something like that. I forget. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of this will be written by Jonathan Ames and then directed by David Leach. And that is Sherlock Jr. Jr. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> can we go see this movie for a second? I mean, duh. Yeah, definitely. I would want to like cool. help with it. I would like be a, even oh, like a PA. Like I would just want to like. <laughs> this, this feels like the most fun set to be on. Just a bunch of comedy people being God. made to do ridiculous things. Yeah, and then just watching amazing stunt people just be incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. That sounds that sounds like the dream. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Love it. Uh, cool. So then we've reached the point of the podcast where if there's anything you want to promote or social medias you want people to follow, please tell us about them now. Oh, gosh. In quarantine, I, I can't. I, I don't know if I have too much. I'm not not hanging out on social media much these days. I want to just promote. So 
silent film. Is that lame? Why don't you give us somewhere between three and five silent films that we may or may not have ever heard of that you think people should watch? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you should watch Sherlock Jr. That was one for sure. Um, I think you should watch um, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, classic. Um, I think you should watch The Passion of Joan of Arc. It's incredible, especially right now. That's like one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I mean, those are definitely like the top three that come to me. Those are an I could, excellent three. I could recommend every other Buster movie. But <laughs> uh, what was the one where uh, he's a boxer, you said? Battling Butler. That one is really good. That one's really fun. Yeah, that'll be my, my other one. Good. Yeah. I love it. And then... Uh, if you like, I mean, if you watch Sherlock Jr. and all the Buster Keaton movies are like really short. I think the longest one is yeah. seventy minutes, and that's mm-hmm. Steamboat Bill Jr. Yeah. So and it's all on YouTube, and I think free. And if you have the opportunity to watch them, do it. Like to see the sequence with the house falling down on top of him. Like you don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it coming until it's happening, and then you're like, oh my god! Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good stuff. It's inc- and then knowing, yeah, all everything behind it, just how dangerous it is, is yeah. Yeah, the the fact that Buster Keaton broke his neck making Sherlock <laughs> Jr. Yeah, that's still blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah, and then didn't uh, even didn't even realize it. He was just like, "I'm fine," and then it's like years yeah. later. Buster Keaton is such a badass that he walked off, breaking his <laughs> neck. Yeah, ran he off. The movie, he runs off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> breaking his neck. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, actually, another one, Kabiria. But just because it's it's just uh, very iconic in the silent film era, that one's like maybe once you have watched a few silent films and can like and can handle it, it's just it's hard to stay fo- even I have to like w- you know really try to it's, stay focused. Um, it's advanced level silent film. Yeah, but when you break it down of what it's about, and it was like in very early, I think it was nineteen fourteen that it came out and it was Italian and it was like one of the first feature length films. And it just was so inspirational to so many filmmakers at the time, um, just of how long and extravagant it was. And then there's one that's like the, what is it? It's like the entrance to, what is it? The, what is it? The in between hell and Dante's Inferno. Yeah. But it's Dante's Inferno. That one is crazy. That's a really cool one. Just with like the effects that they do when they get into the layers of, of hell and Dante's Inferno, there's some insane costumes and effects that they do. And that is pretty trippy. That's rad. I'm here for it. I know it's come up a couple of different times for like movie club stuff, but did you ever see uh, Metropolis? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's like the one silent film that I own. I'm like, people should watch watch that one too. Yeah. I didn't mention that just because I feel like that is like one of the more well-known ones. Yeah, it definitely is. It's also one of the longer ones. Yeah, yeah. Like two and a half. Well, that's like later. Same with Passion of Joan of Arc. That's like the late 1920s. So, I mean, that is when silent film was yeah. like very perfected and, and beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Kabiria then, is so early, so it's very rough. <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> a lot to appreciate there. I still want to track down and watch the, uh, whatever that early animation thing was with the, with the paper. Yeah. Puppets. Yeah. That Juliana mentioned that looked really cool. Yeah. yeah. And after, after audience, you watch all these amazing silent movies, enjoy singing in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just watched that actually. recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Then 
good recommendations. I would say if you want to follow audience me on Twitter, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram, but mostly Instagram. And you can also join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Or since we're celebrating a truly magnificent and wonderful day, change is coming. If you want to celebrate that by going online to Apple Podcasts and leaving this or any podcast you'd like a five-star review, any one of us would be incredibly appreciative of appreciative of it. And uh, we thank you. So yeah. Normally, Corsica, what I do when uh, I end the podcasts is I say, so what is your favorite quote from the movie Sherlock Jr.? <laughs> but instead... I broke the I'll podcast. Say, <laughs> I'll say, what is your favorite stunt from Sherlock Jr.? It's when he jumps from the roof on the, the I think it's the train blockade thing, and he rides that down into the car. You know oh, what I'm talking yeah, about? yeah, that was real cool. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking I want to do that. That was amazing. Yeah. Just the, the, purely, um, the, this is so fun. The, the roadblock thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what those are called. Either. I don't know We're either. Both doing yeah, they're it's really like good for podcasting. <laughs> it's like when you go into a parking garage and the little bar lifts. It's that thing, but it's not that. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what it's called. It's like a railroad it's crossing. Like the garage door arm, but for trains. <laughs> that's it. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a fantastic sequence. Yeah, it's so simple, but it's just so like not necessarily his most impressive, but it's my favorite just because I want to do it. Yeah. It's also not surprising either because you look at it and you go, "I know what's about to happen." Yeah, and then you get to watch exactly what you want to happen happen. And then right and after that, it. he's just sitting so like smug in the back of the car. It's just like yeah. it was just so the, it's timed so perfect. It's everything about it is like easy and perfect and you know wonderful. Yeah, yeah, good. I like it. Cool. Excellent choice. Of course, <laughs> thank you so much for being uh, my guest this week. Thank you for letting me talk about Buster. <laughs> oh yeah.